Hello and welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. Now it's time for Kit Corner, where we shine a spotlight on artists who've created products with the film and television industry in mind. Products designed by artists for artists. Hi, Belle. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, you are with the company Sterilite, and we're going to chat a little about how one of your products, the Illumicide Disinfecting Case, can fit into our new work environment as hair and makeup artists. So what was the inspiration for creating the Illumicide Disinfecting Case? So let me take you back. Since 2010, the majority of Sterilite's founding members, which are all women, have been working in the health and beauty industry for years. We have witnessed many artists working in a hectic environment without proper disinfection and unable to clean or disinfect their makeup and tools properly between clients. So prior to COVID-19, we were conducting research on the various effective technologies to help streamline the disinfecting process of a high contact, hectic environment such as the beauty industry. So after researching many different technologies, we found that the UVC technology has been used for so many years in disinfecting surfaces to reduce the transmission of viruses and bacteria. So we've seen this as an opportunity to merge the UVC technology and the beauty industry. That's great. And so what exactly does the case do? So the Lumicide Disinfecting Case is a portable case that uses germicidal UV lights to provide quick disinfecting. So the UVC light, the technology itself, is capable of deactivating and reducing harmful bacteria, viruses, molds, and other pathogenic microorganisms on anything you put in the box. So it's a quick disinfecting technology. That's very cool. So what are some specific items you feel hairstylists and makeup artists might use the Illumicide disinfecting case for, like in their daily work routine? So first of all, you could put anything in the box. It doesn't produce any type of heat. So anything you put in there is safe. Whether it's makeup, brushes, makeup itself, you could put tools, hair clippers, scissors, anything that you would like to disinfect. It's a very universal box. You can put in your cell phone, your iPad, you know, a hairstylist can disinfect their hairbrushes, their combs, whatever it is that fits inside the box, it's endless. So the Lumicide disinfecting case does have three modes. And the first mode is a quick three-minute disinfect. Once you're done cleaning your makeup brush, or if you just want to pop your makeup eyeshadow or your lipstick or pencil, you could put it in there. You could use mode one and do a quick three-minute disinfect. And then we have our mode two, so you could put your brushes in there. And then it'll go into the three-minute disinfecting cycle and then transition into the drying. So the drying takes about 60 minutes or less, depending on how dense the makeup brushes, and comes out really nice and fluffy. And then we have our mode three, which is disinfect and store. And the disinfect and store is a great feature where you can put anything in there, disinfect it, and then just leave it in. 
So the cycle will not be interrupted until you remove the object from the case. It sounds good. So what impact do you feel the use of your products are having on safety protocols? Well, I think at this time with the COVID-19 and now everybody's more aware and educated on the proper sanitizing and disinfecting, this is going to help them tremendously in making sure that they've actually gone way above and beyond in disinfecting. So, you know, just giving them that extra step. That's what the lumicide disinfecting case is. So we're not looking to take place of what their current protocol is. It's just adding to the protocol. It, it, it sort of gives you a peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's excellent. So what do you feel sets your case apart from other similar versions? It is a portable case. You know, it's light and it's convenient. It also has 40 LED lights with reflective mirrors, which gives you 360 degree disinfecting surface that uses 40 uh, UVC LED lights. It disinfects in three minutes. It's mercury free. It's eco-friendly, it's chargeable, and of course it has one of my favorite features, which is a dryer for the makeup brushes, a 60 minute or less drying feature. Awesome. So what can we look forward to in the future from Sterilite? Well, we have many products that we're working on. So we do have our antimicrobial palettes that's coming soon. We also have our medical grade antimicrobial pouch and surface sheet that we will be launching soon as well. We currently have a spray disinfectant that you can use on your hands and your makeup brushes. It's safe enough to use on your makeup brushes as well. And that's actually a really great spray disinfectant because it has two different alcohols in there, but it also has an ingredient that seals and protects the skin with a natural barrier. That's exciting. And where can artists find your products? So you can purchase the product on our website, Theralight.com. And then we have also a list of retailers on the website where you can go in person. And we're currently offering 20% off retail price with the coupon code SL20. That's SL, Sterilite 20, to receive your 20% off. That's awesome. Thanks, Belle. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you again, Jamie, for having me. Today, I'm speaking with hair designer Camille Friend. Camille has designed the hair for kick-ass films such as Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Captain America and Django Unchained. We chat about what it takes to be a successful head of department, how important it is to be skilled in working with all hair textures, and what exciting new projects she has coming up. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Camille. Hi. Hey, now I would like you to finish a sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Camille, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... A pharmacist. You did? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) Did you you have a friendly pharmacist when you were growing up? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. No, I always, honestly, I always wanted to be a pharmacist. I don't know why. And I guess, I think it's just like the chemical components and mixing always like intrigued me. and I always liked it. Plus, I have to tell you the truth. When I was in high school, I had a small internship with a pharmacist, but it's always something I always wanted to do is be a pharmacist. So I guess in a way I'm a pharmacist, but in a different way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Still dealing with chemical compounds and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) 
So at what point did you move away from that and start your direction towards doing hair? Well, I've always done hair, like my whole life. I used to always put my mother's hair color on and my aunt's relaxer and rolling their hair like ever since I was little. Plus, I grew up in the salon. Like I have several family members who have salons. I'm, you know, I'm a third generation hairstylist. And like my uncle Robert, I used to always work in the salon. So I always like like to do hair and I didn't know that that was going to be my career. But then down the line, I was like, this is what I want to do. So there we go. I went to beauty school and that was it. And where did you go to beauty school? Where were you living at the time? I was living in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, nice. And that's where I went to beauty school. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So when you came out of beauty school, what did you do? You worked in a, like went back to salon work and that type of thing? Oh, yeah, totally. When I first started at the beginning of my career, I started with a woman. Her name is Joanne Moore, and she's a great like hairstylist, and she's from the Midwest, and she was an extensionist. So I started my first part of my career, all I did was extensions. And I worked in a with her and her daughter, and it was called Any Hair. And we basically did, it was an extension salon back in the day. And, you know, it was like one of those exciting times, extensions. It was a whole different era. And, like, I remember, Mm -hmm. like, the first, like, our second year, we made a million dollars. But, I mean, back in those days, we worked. I mean, all I can say is we went in in the morning, like, with Good Morning America. And we were there to, like, back in the day, I think it was David Letterman that we used to watch. That's, like, 11 o'clock. So, I mean, yeah. we would put in, you know, you would put in a full day in the salon. It was, it was real work. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And probably oh, what, yeah. like six days a week. Actually, we did five or six days a week. We did five or six days yeah. a week. And we over like, it was like, plus we just built a good clientele. And I mean, we were really lucky. It was just a whole different era. Like the Phoenix Cardinals had just come to town to Arizona and so I had a whole bunch of the Phoenix Cardinals wives. I had regular girls. I had stripper girls who wanted super long hair. And back then, <laughs> the longest hair that you could get was about 18 inches. That was oh, the wow. longest. And so, I mean, that's how we got started. And we did all different types of extensions. So I started as an extensionist. That's awesome, having that variety of clientele as well. Like you just really get to learn about people and their lives, and that's very cool. Lots of things. Hair color, you know, like especially one thing when you're an extensionist, you really learn how to match hair color because, you know, you have to take from a raw product. And then let's remember this was the Stone Age. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was not as many colors as there is now. So if Mm -hmm. if your client had highlights, you couldn't get, you know, 18, 22, number six. (laughs) It wasn't like that. You got a 22 (laughs) and then you better add the 18 and the six. Like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't the range. You didn't have anything. But the greatest thing about that period of time though, is the hair was pure. It was raw. And, you know, the, the hair really lasted like you could you could wear your extensions for a year without changing wow. them because the hair was the market wasn't flooded. It wasn't oversaturated. So, right. you know, and then I mean, I was really, really lucky and just like knock on wood. Back in those days, I met Helene at Extensions Plus when she was starting out, too. And we built a friendship. And so from Arizona, I would order my hair from Extensions Plus. So I've been ordering since Helene from the 80s. Wow. That's so Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. I love those relationships that you make along the way. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So at what point, where, where do you go from there? Well, from there, I, you know, kick around and, you know, work here and there. And then, honestly, I fell in love, you know, like a young girl. I fell in love mm-hmm. and I ended up in L.A. And so I came to L.A. I wondered and what I, brought you to L.A. Love. <laughs> yeah, it was love. I was dating this guy and I came to L.A. And I just decided, okay, I was going to try to go into the best salon that I could. So, like, I remember mm-hmm. I auditioned for, back in the day, I auditioned for Josea Bear, because that's these were, <laughs> these were the salons that were happening when I first got here, and a couple other mm-hmm. salons. And I ended up going to a salon, um, which was called John Atchison. And John Atchison, at the time, he was, he had left Vidal Sassoon. So he had a very much, I call it, Vidal Sassoon-esque salon where you learn hair coloring, you learn cutting, very traditional. So I started Mm -hmm. with John Atchison, went through the assistant program for like a year, maybe a year and a half, just just assisting, and then moved to the floor. And I worked at his salon for a long time. And that kind of gave me my foundation here in LA. I mean, not, yeah, not, not for everybody, but I think a lot of people, it's um, having that foundation of actually working on the floor for a while is definitely helpful. I mean, everything from customer service to professional ethics to consultation to just the repetitive nature of doing things over and over again and like, you know, really figuring out how it works. Oh, no, I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. And I think, too, what the salon at at that time is like going through an internship program and being an assistant for a whole year, it it humbles you and it gets your head in the right place. And then you have to learn how to like like properly shampoo. You have to learn how Mm -hmm. to sell product in a real way. And you're selling if you're working in a high end salon. Even back then, we were selling twenty five dollar bottles of shampoo. So, you know, you, you Mm -hmm. have to, you know, you have to know how to sell, you have to really know the product line. So I think that's like really, really important. Even in what we do, it's still, you know, to know your merchandise and know your clients. So, but it was great because John, you know, he working for him, I went to Vidal Sassoon. I went to a lot of color classes. I went to Goldwell school. Like I was really fortunate, like working for him, he would really help you go to different places for education. He was he was very interested in and he was really supportive of it. So that was really a good foundation for me. Yeah. And I mean, of course, that's going to help him in the long run because you're going to be on the floor doing amazing work because he's put the training it, and time. Exactly. Into it. Exactly. And you know what's interesting? We call ourselves, this is just an inside silly thing. We call ourselves Atchies. The people who used to work for John Atchison, and you be and it's and actually there's a there's a there's a few of us that actually work in the business. So you know okay. the training the training was really real and it and it worked. So that's awesome. I'm sure you're forever thankful for that foundation. Oh yeah, totally, 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 totally. That's amazing. So at what point does the film TV world kind of step into your life or did you step into it? Which way did this happen? How, how did this come about? Mm, I would say it fell on me. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying. I'm Very good. I, I wasn't trying. I wasn't looking and, you know, it kind of just fell on me at first, like a rock. But, you know, now it's more like a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I wasn't looking for it. 
Um, literally, I was working in another salon after John Atchison, and I was working with mm-hmm. somebody who was in the union. Anyway, one day he called and he was like, they need somebody to come on set. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And then there was a woman who used to come into our salon that worked in the business. And I would always talk to her and I would cut her hair sometime. And she called me and she goes, I know that you can curl hair really well. I said, yeah. She goes, I need somebody just to come down and curl wigs because I can't keep up with doing this actress and curling wigs and being on set. And I didn't know what she meant. Now I know what she means. Yeah. <laughs> so I went in on a movie. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, when somebody, when you have a main actress who has a lot of looks, keeping up with the wigs, her on set and all of it, it's a lot. So I yeah. went and I curled wigs for her and literally... They just told me, they were like, you know, this movie is going to turn union. I was like, what's the union? I'm just here curling wigs. I don't even know what you're talking about. And the movie turned union. I didn't even try. I'm being honest. And here I am. <laughs> you're like the the one percent of people who just... I know. I'm probably the one That's amazing. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> it's probably the shortest, simplest story I've heard of getting into the union as well. Everyone has like these long painful stories of trying to get in it's amazing I know I know it just honestly it just it just happened and then I was in the union so what what made you because I mean you could have gone a different way you could have gone be like nah, I don't want to do this I'm just going to go back to the salon so what at what point did it tip you towards actually joining and and heading in that direction you know what, Jamie? I really don't even know. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> it just, honestly, I just went with it. Like, I mean, and I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you the second part of the story, which is inside the first story. I think kind of this helped. So when I was on that movie, I ended up like sometime helping out. So there was a girl who was just basically a day player. She was an actress. And I think she worked like three days. And she literally said to me, she goes, I just filmed this pilot. And they said that I could bring a hairstylist. And she was she was a black woman. Her name is Simbi Kali, and she's an actress. And she, I said, oh, okay. She goes, would you want to come and do my hair? I said, okay, I'll try it. And then I didn't know I was going to Third Rock from the Sun and ended up like, you know, being oh. nominated for an Emmy and being there for six years. But I just literally oh my I fell into it. Like, I didn't have a plan. I just went with it. And I ended up being with her for six years and, you know, being nominated for Emmy and like buying my first house all from working on Third Rock from the Sun. That's so awesome. Just following that path and going yeah. with the flow and just seeing where it takes you. Yeah, that's it. That's very cool. I love Third Rock from the Sun. That's great. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Miss Pixie Schwartz, I give a shout out to Pixie Schwartz. She hired me sight unseen and gave me a chance. And we're still <laughs> friends to this day. And I'm always indebted to her. I'm always thankful for what she taught me. She taught me so many things. And, I, you know, I feel I felt blessed. So that's very cool. So you're kind of your consistent start in was television. Yes. Oh, you've done a bit of TV, right? But now you're mainly doing bit. films. So how, yeah. what was your first full-time film that you went to work on? I'm trying to think. So if I, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, the next one I did was Double Take, which actually that would be correct because I was working on the Malcolm and Eddie show. And Eddie, I was doing mm-hmm. Eddie Griffin, who I love that man. He, we used to have so much fun. He used to make me laugh. And he's a cancer also. So shout out to Eddie Griffin, cancer, my cancer buddy. I love him. <laughs> um, so Eddie was like, I'm going to do a movie this summer with this guy, Orlando Jones. I need you to come do my hair. 
I was like, okay. So literally I went and did um, Eddie for uh, Eddie Griffin for the double take. And we had, we had a ball and I'm still actually friends with him and Orlando Jones. And then after that, I started working with the woman named Irma Kent. She is a hairstylist who really took me under her wing. And I did like five movies with her. Like, and you know, she really, she, she really, she really put me on the right path. I did some Eddie Murphy movies with her. You know, it was a good time. It was a good time. So, and that was my first time out of town too. We went to go do, um, eight mile. I was the first time I went out of town. We went to Detroit. So that was like the first time I went out of town in the winter to Detroit. And I'm a girl from Arizona. That was hilarious. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, come on, softy. <laughs> no, yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, it was like, oh my God. But thank God, I mean, I'll say this. I had a great boyfriend who lived in New York and his name was Alan Brown and he got me all straightened out. You know, he took me to the store, got me my moon boots, my cohort jacket. That's what we used to all wear back there and ski pants. Mm. Like he got me all hooked up. So you were ready. I was ready, but it was cold, but it was a great experience. And then from there, I went on a little journey with um, Brittany Murphy. I did her after that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. So right from the beginning, you were doing personal work. So that's nice. Variety kind of going from being general kind of hairstylist to personal and back and forth. Have you had a preference? Like what differences do you find between being the hairstylist for multiple cast or just being a personal? Um, I think, I think they both have great things about them. It just depends Mm. like, you know, what you want to do. I think some movies, like I like, to do movies if they have like a big design element, you know, if you're really going to design something and a huge something, I love being the department head because I like just having my fingers in all of it. I mean, you worked with me, you know, I like having my fingers in all of it and, you know, creating like some, some great stuff. But then it's nice. Like if you have a yeah. client that you really like, I only like to work with people I really like. I don't like working no. people. I really don't like. <laughs> I truly like to be, if I'm going to be around you for that many hours, I want to actually like you. So, you know, it works out too to have somebody who, if you really like them and you can be in their personal space, that works out great too. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask what it means to you to be a personal hairstylist for an actor. What do you feel you need to bring to the table when you're being a personal for somebody? Oh, I think, you know, when you're being a personal, and I'll say this even as a department head, you're of service. So, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're working with somebody it's not only is that you're doing their hair or you're doing their makeup, but I mean, also, you know, you have to look out sometimes to like what their personal needs are, especially when you're a personal. And I think you're really of full service when you're a personal, but like, you know, people who I like and enjoy their company, I don't mind being a personal. I don't mind being around you, you know, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. You know, if you're a nice person Mm -hmm. and I like the collaborative, like a lot of times I like, the one-on-one collaborative with the people, that's a lot of fun. And if people allow you to use your creative energy, that really works for me. So that's the part I like about it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you're in the close proximity working with someone for that long, you really want to have a, a good working relationship and just, oh, yeah. you know, as you say, get on, be able to have fun, collaborate together. Right. Just, yeah. Have a happy space. Yeah. Have a happy space. But I think, I think the fine line is, and I think, this is something you always have to remember is like, even if you're a personal, I always want to always remind people that it's still a working relationship. You can be friendly Mm. with your talent, but still remember Mm. you were on the job. 
you're there to do something and you have a certain requirement as their hair or makeup person to do your job. Even if you go out after you have drinks or you go to dinner, don't forget when they sit in the chair at 6 a.m., you are on your job. And you have to remember there's a fine line, but you can be friendly, but it's not friends, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good thing to remember. Just keep it professional. Right. And I think people get caught up in, oh, I went to dinner with this person or, oh, I hung out with this person. Okay, that's all fine. But in the morning, you better have that makeup brush ready or that curling iron better be on when they're when they come in. Don't slack Mm. because you are having a social interaction with them. That does not take away from your duty as the hair or the makeup person. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, now, at what point did you become a department head? What was your first department head job? Well, that's another one I just kind of fell into. So, <laughs> you, this can Carry be, you on. call this the fall into it. The first movie I department headed is a little movie that I did with Jamie Foxx. So, oh, nice. I forgot exactly how, I can't remember exactly how I met Jamie. That's crazy. I can't remember. I'm serious. I can't remember how I, how we hooked up. But anyway, so I got a call to meet Jamie Foxx and he was going to Saskatchewan, Canada and going to this place called Regina. I'm not making this up. So (laughs) here we go. That was my first department head job. And the movie is called Held Up. I think I think the movie, the title is still Held Up. And we went to Canada and did this movie and I had never department headed. So I went, you know, to help him and do him and department head this movie. So that's that's how that was my first one. Mm -hmm. Was it a contemporary film yeah it was a modern day it was like a comedy kind of heist kind of movie it's it's actually really really silly but you know it was a good experience for me that was like you know I went out of the country I had to get all my stuff together going to Canada and you know it was a good experience and Jamie Foxx at this day you know he's a friend and he's lovely and I love to see his career grows and he's seen my career grow and you know so it's been it's been good that's very cool. And it's I think it's nice to kind of just gently go into the head of department on something that is modern day and fun, as you say, yeah. and just to be able to kind of cruise into it instead of stepping into something that's maybe like 1930s and you've got 500 background and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I, t- I totally agree. And I think like I think and as we were talking before, I think that's one thing that would be great if we could implement some of the systems that Europe has. And, you know, is where people getting the training, you know, they're they're starting as a junior, they're starting in crowd and they can build their resume until they get to a department head. But because if you go through all the steps, it equips you for everything that you need to be a department head, where a yeah. lot of times if you yeah. get thrown into being a department head, it's like being thrown into like a person who can't swim into water mm. and it, it shouldn't be that experience. No, it sounds like you had a good experience though. So that's, I did. We I did. Like we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And then tell me about dream girls. Cause that's a pretty awesome film. Was that a lot of fun? Oh yeah. 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 Dream girls was a lot of fun. I mean, dream girls is one of those movies. Like all I can say is I don't even know how I got that movie. You know, it's another one. It just kind of fell on me. <laughs> I guess I would say this about Dreamgirls. I'll make a very long story short. A friend of mine, Tim, Tim Buchanan, and I, I didn't Mm -hmm. know Tim. 
And I met Tim at a barbecue, literally. And he was like, I want to do that movie Dream Girls. I said, oh, so do I. So he goes, okay, if you hear something, you tell me. And if I hear something, I'll tell you. Now, I didn't know him. So I was like, okay. So literally, we worked the project, getting the project together. So if he heard something, I would tell him and vice versa. And then my good friend, Sharon Davis, was the costume designer. So long story short, me and Tim were like doing the auditions. It was a very big audition process. Like they auditioned girls from all around the world came in to sing like for these parts. I'm being serious. It was like the talent that I saw in those days. I was like, I'm sorry. There's some girls out there who can really sing and dance and perform. Mm -hmm. Like there's some awesome ladies out there. So we did that. And then through the process, we're just working the process. We end up getting the movie and neither one of us had the resume to get it. So I knew it was God, the universe and some angels and some heavenly intervention because I mean, I remember after we got the job, I remember going to talk to one of the producers and on their desk, they had all these resumes and there was resumes for people who had Oscars, who had Emmys. I mean, who had all kind of accolades and, you know, me and Tim, you know, the fresh fish, we get the movie. So, you know, what's, what's meant for you is meant for you. Absolutely. And I love hearing those stories because it's like, it's that stepping stone, isn't it? It's, Mm -hmm. it's people taking a chance on someone fresh and new and, that's right. awesome. So that's how we ended up doing that. And me and Tim, you know, we've done a lot of projects since then. You know, he's one of my favorite collaborators. I really like working with Tim. Yeah, we love Tim. Tim's awesome. Yes. <laughs> I love how, um, just quickly with Tim, how I found him so immediately welcoming and friendly in a yes. work environment. <laughs> Like yes. he's awesome like that. It's nice to come across, especially if you're like coming into a job and you don't really know anybody and then there's friendly Tim and it's great. I love it. No, I love that too. <laughs> I love that about him that he's so friendly and he's just, you know, Tim is just who he is and he's always been that way. And that's who he is. Like he could be, I mean, Tim could probably be the mayor of 706 because like, <laughs> I mean, Tim knows everybody. We go places. I'm like, Oh, who's that? Who's, I mean, he knows everybody hair makeup wardrobe barbers i'm like he knows everybody yeah that's very cool hey now you've done a few marvel films camille friend do you want to talk about those (laughs) (laughs) how many have you done lady how many have you done Uh, (laughs) like do you know off the top of your head probably i think six i think six wow that's amazing that's very cool I think six. I think six. Last time I counted, I think it was six. Yeah, I think That's six. That's very cool. Yes. Now, tell me, were you ever a comic book reader? Yes, I was a comic book reader. I was. I was always you a comic were? Yeah, when I was a kid, we used to always read comic books. That's very cool. You know, it was back in the day where you rolled your bike. You know, you actually rolled your bike to the comic book store. You rolled your bike to the record store. Because, like, back in those days, I mean, we were free. And your mom wasn't like your mom, like now the moms take the kids everywhere. Your mom was like, get on your bike and ride over there. Like, you know, even if it was like three miles, (laughs) it was just a different time. You could be free. So we used to ride to the comic book store. We used to ride to the record store. Like my mom didn't take us. You rode there. Like, I remember one of the first things I wanted to do when I came to L.A., was I wanted to go to Tower Records on Sunset because I'm I'm a huge Mm. music person. You know that about me. I'm a music person. So the first thing I wanted to do is go to Tower Records on Sunset because it was such a staple and that was the Mecca. And I remember staying in there like for three hours. 
You're like, this is awesome. Right. Yeah, that, so, cool. you know, that was important to me. So how has the experience been working for Marvel, like being able to create within that Marvel universe? You know what? Marvel's been good. I take that back. I've done seven Marvel movies. Um, so <laughs> I retract that. I've done seven Marvel movies. I just counted. You know what? Marvel has been a great experience for me. And, you know, I owe going to Marvel to Lou Espedito. He's one of the, um, I think he's, is he a vice, he's a vice president or he's one of the presidents now. I can't remember if he's a president or a vice president now, mm-hmm. but he was somebody who was instrumental. I had done movies with him before when he was a line producer or an executive producer. So uh, this is just how you have to be ready for your opportunity. Literally, I saw him somewhere in Beverly Hills and I was like, Lou, hey, what are you doing? He was like, oh yeah, I just started with Marvel. I was like, you need me over there. I want to. And he was like, are you ready to do a superhero movie? I says, I'm ready. I want my opportunity. (laughs) Give it to me. And literally he called me up and I ended up going to do, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier. And so it's been good for my career. Marvel movies are worldwide. People love them. People love the characters. And, you know, it's been it's been a fun journey with them. It's been a fun journey. They're very close knit type of family. So it's, you know, it's very, it's an easy quote unquote studio to work for because, you know, you don't answer to a lot of people. You only answer to a few and they know what they Mm -hmm. need and they, you know, and they know what they want and you just do what you do and they give you all the resources that you need to do the job. Yeah. That's awesome. Having that support behind you while you're trying to get it done. It's great. Yeah. You know, Um, you've done some Marvel movies. Hey, now it would be silly of me not to speak about Black Panther. I wanted to ask, and I never did ask you this, but when you first got that job, did you have any idea that it would be so incredibly received in such a positive way? No, Jamie, you don't remember. I thought this is, I'm serious. I'll say it. I thought thought either it was going to be a big hit or a big flop. Well, yeah, it can go either way. I'll be honest. I'm just being... I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't sure that our world was ready for a black superhero. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be really, really honest. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And honestly, Sam Jackson was like, are you crazy? He goes, this is going to be this going to be Marvel's biggest movie. I said, I don't know about all that. He's like, wait and see. And oh, he knew, boy, huh? boy, oh boy, he was right. And, you know, it was I think that we did beautiful work on that movie. I think that it changed the landscape of what people look at when they look at a film with black people. And it told a great story of family and community inside of a superhero movie. So I think that's why it was so well received. And it was just one of those times. It was the right movie at the right time. Yeah. And it's, um, it's nice to see something with so much depth. That is a comic book movie. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was beautiful. And I mean, you were there, we were very fortunate. Like we really had a lot of, a lot of latitude. Like it wasn't like people didn't say, Oh, don't do this or don't go too far on this end. I mean, we were really open to dine the look. We were really open to it. So. Yeah. It was a very creative, a very creative time. It was very cool. Hey, I want to know what has come from that experience for you personally, but also as an artist, Mm, as an artist, just everything from working the job, seeing the film come out, and then everything that kind of happened after that as um, well. I'll say this. Like, Black Panther was an experience that I wasn't literally, I didn't know it was going to be. And then I just decided to go on the journey. 
And it was like nice to be, I've never, mm-hmm. I mean, I've done movies like Dream Girls. We had a nice ride too, in the sense of, and I call it a nice ride, is the ride is after the movie's over, when it comes out and it's well-received and people are calling you and they want you to go here, they want you to go there. You know, so all of those things all came about very much on Black Panther and actually Dream Girls, where, you know, you just get opened up to exposed to so many, you know, different places that you might not have gone. Like, you know, I went to the Women in Film Luncheon and we got on stage and they gave us little trophies for the Women of Black Panther. Like, you know, all the little things, you know, I went to the, the Essence Luncheon. I went to this luncheon and this interview. I have, like, I was telling my girlfriend yesterday, she said, oh, I need a fancy dress. I said, oh, honey, you need to come over here. Don't go to buy no fancy dresses. Because I have a ton of them from that period. And I've only worn them like maybe like one time. So it was like a great, a great, Mm -hmm. great experience in that sense. And, you know, and just to talk to people and see how much the movie touched their heart. And, you know, and just even like the black children where they could see somebody, you know, that their face on camera and, you know, the black family and, and, you know, and just, of course, the hair, the power of the beautiful black hair and, you know, the different shapes and textures and how our hair can be beautiful. And you don't have to put, you don't have to use heat on it. You don't have to straighten it in, in its natural form. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, that we did in Black Panther. And I think that was part of one thing that pushed the natural hair movement. And I think we had a lot to do with that. And that's something that I'll always be proud of. Absolutely, lady. Absolutely. I remember actually, I think it was on Captain Marvel, you were going to speak to kids the little kids yeah. in school, right? No, I, I, I did. Like, I still, I still yeah. do, which is a lot of fun. Like, it actually really helped me open up myself to being a mentor and um, going out and talking about hair and talking to kids. And I talked to beauty schools. I've, I've got to go to L'Oreal and talk to people about Black Panther. So it's really opened up a lot of doors for me to talk about, you know, not only what we do in the business, talking about black hair, talking about what we do in the business and just, you know, just also just telling people and, and kids in places like I went to speak to people in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at a beauty school. And it's like letting people know in mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, look, I'm a little girl from Tempe, Arizona. You could do the same thing that I do. Like there's there's you have to open your your lens and know absolutely you can do this. And so that's part of my mission too. speak to young people and speak to people who think, oh, I couldn't do this. It's like, yes, you can. You got to work hard, but it's yeah. okay. You you can have this experience yeah. and you can have this lifestyle. And it's been, it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride. That's very awesome. It must feel really nice to inspire others like that. Well, Camille. I think that's really honestly, nice. at this point in my career, I'll be, that's one of my biggest joys. Like I really, really love, yeah. and you know this about me. Like I love going to go and talk to the children. I love going to talk to beauty schools. You know, mm-hmm. I love encouraging people about what this business is and what you can be in this business. And just, and like, I love encouraging other stylists and makeup artists about their careers. Like, don't be discouraged. I don't care how long it takes you to get into the union. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. And there's yeah. enough room for all of us in this. There's enough room. There's enough sunshine for all of us. Yeah. If you, you want to go get it. Exactly. You just got to work for it. You got to work really, really hard for it, but it's okay. That's very cool. Hey, yeah. now tell me, mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino, you've worked with that cool cat a couple of times. I How love was that? Quentin. Quentin, I mean, I'll put it this way. I told you this before. <laughs> I will do a movie in a swamp with Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> like Quentin, 
is Quint. I mean, he's Quentin. He's Quentin Tarantino. But I love working with Quentin. I think he's smart. He's fun. His scripts are like awesome. And again, he's another guy who gives you really a lot of room to create and make things and, you know, and experiment with things. And that's what I love about him. You know, his answer is not like, no, let's not do this. His answer is like, hmm, let's try it. So I love that person who like, I'm always happy with the directors who want to go on the journey because I'm, I'm down for the journey. I'm totally, I'm totally, totally into going on the journey. So that's the best thing, you know, best part about that. And then, Hey, Quentin, I mean, his crew, they've been with him and they're just great people. They're like family and Quentin throws a great party. So, Hey, like you can't go wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) So you did Django with him and hateful eight, hateful eight. Now, I'm assuming both of those are on locations and I'm feeling like very different locations oh, yeah. from each other. So how was um, how was that? Both of them, both the locations, all the locations for those were like, you know, it's that extreme heat or extreme cold. So you have both of them. But you mm. know, the thing about it, like even like in on um, I think that was what's that? I think that was Django. I remember, where were we in? Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which I'm serious, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Beautiful landscape, just beautiful. Mm. And I remember like everybody's trailers froze over except ours, the hair and makeup trailer. So I remember it was like Oscar season. So we were in the trailer, like everybody, the cast in the trailer, people have bought lawn chairs and we were all in the trailer watching (laughs) movies. Till it was time for your turn to go to set. So I think about like all those like great experience where you have like literally we're in lawn chairs, people are hanging out and we're just in the hair and makeup room and just everybody is in the trailer and just having a good time. And, you know, no matter mm-hmm. that it was just a storm outside and everything was frozen over, we were still happy. We're just together. Yeah. yeah. And the, the show keeps going on. Exactly. Just go out there and do it. <laughs> just go out there and do it. Exactly. <laughs> you put on a million layers and you go out exactly. and deal with it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that's that's what we do. And at the end of the day, I mean, I always think about like, what is going to be on that screen? I was telling one of my girlfriends actually yesterday, she's going on and on about certain situations. And I say, hey, I said, stop it. She goes, what? I says, all you need to think about is what is going to be on that screen. That's it. That's your job. Forget about the rest. Forget about the right. rest. Yeah. Don't get distracted by. Forget about the stuff. rest. Just remember what's yeah. on that screen. That's our job. Yeah. You know? That's very true. It's a good way to just cut out a bunch of the yeah. bullshit. Really, isn't it. It? <laughs> That's what I always go back to. That's my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> Let's whatever, whatever, whatever. What's on screen? What's going to be on the screen? What are we filming today? That's what's important. It's very true. Hey, um, now one piece of advice you were given that has stuck with you when you were coming mm-hmm. up. Actually, one piece of advice my friend who actually I started out with, Brian Andrews, he taught me one thing about being a personal. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the thing I told you earlier, literally about you can be friendly, but you're not friends with your talent. They're not your buddies, mm-hmm. they're a friend, and you still have a job mm-hmm. to do. That's one thing. And I think the other thing for me was just to stick with the process. If you just follow the process, because sometimes with movies, things change. Don't get frustrated in the change. Just keep with the process. Just keep going, because eventually you'll get there. 
you'll, you'll definitely eventually get there. And I remember yeah. like I was before all this stuff happened, I was uh, in London and I was working on Little Mermaid and we had several things that we with hair that just trying to figure it out, going back and forth. And I remember um, my actress, her mother said, she goes, Camille, she goes, just stick with the process. I was like, you're right. We're just going to stick with the process and we're going to get there. And we did get there and we, you know, landed on her look, but we went through several incarnations to get there, but we got there. Yeah. 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 It is a process. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes than others. Um, sometimes it comes more simply and other times it's an uphill battle. I mean, <laughs> you, you just, just you keep, just with, keep it. with it. Like, I mean, Jamie, you know, even on Black Panther, finding some of those looks, I mean, we were like, we were working really hard, like to figure out, you know, some of the wigs, like, you know, some of the tribal wigs. It took some r- research and development. Try this, try that, try this, go over here. But we're going to get there. But sometimes you just got to mm-hmm. work the process. Just got to work the process. Absolutely. That's good advice. And I was going to ask you, what attributes do you feel someone needs to be a successful head of department? I think one of them is diligence, dedication. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be kind. I think it's important to be kind. And I think you have to, you have to love the craft. And I'd like, we talked about earlier, I think you have to realize being a department head is not, first of all, the popular position. (laughs) You have to make hard choices. You have to do things that sometimes people are not going to like. So you have to get out of, if you need to be liked all the time, then you shouldn't be the department head because it's a manager. You know, you're, you're in management and you're managing people. And as I said before, you know, managing hair and makeup people are like herding cats. You can't herd cats. So it, it, it can be very, very difficult and you have to be, you have to make tough decisions. You have to tell people, you know, when they're not doing what they're supposed to do and you just have to, you know, just nail it sometime. And that's just part of the job. So, you know, those are all things that you have to think about when you go into being a department head. It's a big responsibility. And, and especially nowadays, you're responsible pe- also for people's health and for their safety. So it's a job that you yeah. have to keep your eyes open at all times and be aware of what's going on. Absolutely. So um, when you're looking for team members, what are you looking for in somebody? You know, this is how I look at it. I like people who are, you have to be a team player. If you're not a team player, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. And the reason I say that is when you're in the trailer with people, you have to be a team because, you know, sometimes you might hear something and I might hear something and you're like, okay, Camille, I heard this or I, you know, everybody has to be playing on the same team. So if you're not a team player, if you're not somebody who doesn't want to be collaborative, if you don't play well with others, those are things that don't work. But things that do work are people who are, again, who are kind, who come to work every day and they bring their A game. And people who don't mind working Mm. hard because there's going to days that you work hard and some days you don't work as hard. But people who sincerely want to be there and want to do the job, that's what I look for. And I don't care necessarily. I don't care. You don't have to be the best hairdresser. You can be a mediocre hairdresser. But if you're a good person with a good heart, I would rather have that than somebody who's great and you're a talented asshole. I'm not interested. <laughs> that's a good way of putting I'm it. Not, I'm not interested because being in the trailer yeah, is too small true. a space to be with somebody for three to six mm. months of your life. And you are somebody who is unkind, who's unpleasant, 
and you need therapy. And the trailer is not is not the place for therapy. And I'm not your therapist. We're there to do a job. Yep. There's no time for it. I mean, there's so much I other know. stuff going on. That it's the but last. Some thing people bring with. all their <laughs> junk and put it right there, like you know, in the middle of the trailer, like you know, a big steaming pile of shit, and put it in the middle of the trailer. It's like, oh great, we got to deal with this. No, we have enough to deal with. <laughs> exactly. And what do you feel has helped you stand out? Um, I'll be honest. I think I'll just be, I'm just going to be honest what I think a big part of it is. I think I have a mm-hmm. good personality yep. and I am a team player. And honestly, I really take it to my connection to God and the universe and just how I work on myself as a person. And I truly yep. love what I do. And I try to bring that element into it. Yeah, it comes through, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think that's what comes through. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that I have going for myself. And plus, I have to tell you, I'm kind of like a jack of all trades. I can do a little bit of everything. So I think I that's think helpful. very helpful. And plus, I mean, <laughs> and two, I'll say, especially in these days, I found because I can do all textures of hair. There's not a head yeah. of hair that sits in my chair that I'm afraid of. So I think that helps. Yeah. So, you know, I think being open to you know, especially now we're getting to films that are multicultural and you have people that have mm-hmm. every texture of hair. You have every race of actor and they deserve to have somebody when they come in trailer mm-hmm. that knows how to do their hair. And I'm that person. Yeah, that's very cool. Just leading out from that, what techniques and skills would you like to see hairstylists develop more? Um, definitely people skills and management skills. Those are one thing. And I think, you know, definitely with the natural hair movement, I think it's really important. And unfortunately, as hairstylists, we've been thrown under the bus by the Black actresses. We have, and rightfully so, because, you know, too many Mm -hmm. times, I mean, uh, let's say the actresses, the models, like I've seen it in so many different mediums, that they go places and people don't know how to do their hair. So I think it's really important now that in your arsenal is that you know how to work with natural textures of hair and curly hair. Anywhere from, you know, anywhere from like, uh, I'm talking like, you know, a 3A all the way down to, you know, a 4C. And if you don't know what those numbers are, that's what I'm talking about. Right. You should know what those are and you should know how to work with those textures. But that's what we teach in hair scholars. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one, lady. (laughs) I was going to say that the little New Zealand girl myself coming to LA and slowly watching and observing and figuring out, it just seems so strange to me that in such a diverse country that there were people who really didn't know how to do textured hair. And I mean, I came up certainly lots of beautiful, thick Polynesian hair textures and hair textures like that, but I just hadn't been exposed in our tiny little country to all the textures that are available. And I, I think it just, I was just, I couldn't understand why if everybody lives here together, why you hadn't done somebody's hair? Like, <laughs> I know, I know that puzzles you. It just seems really naive and stupid of me, but I was just like, and I'd had a couple of stylists go, oh no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do that texture here. I'm like, what? But it's here. I don't understand. Stop it. Just, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just as a little foreigner coming in, I was very surprised and I couldn't quite work it out, but you know. Well, Jamie, But, you know, this is the thing I can say about you, Jamie. You are fundamentally, you are different. And probably because you weren't raised here. Like, those of you who don't know, I'm just going to say, Jamie Jamie was my assistant department head 
on Black Panther. And she did a great job. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I love about you, Jamie Lee, is that she is open and she's willing to learn. So Jamie Lee learned about hair texture and learned how to do it and was confident in it. And the thing about it, it all can be learned. It's not something that you have to be scared of. So, you know, that's that's one of the great things. It's like the learning curve is always there. Mm. And, you know, I'm just going to say the hair scholars, we did a natural hair texture class, which totally sold out. And it was something where people like you, you can teach it. Like I've learned how to teach it. I know how to show yeah. it. And I mean, there's another job that I recently got that's not even about hairdressing. A company called me and not even a hair care company called me. They want to learn about mm. natural hair. So people want to know there's a world for it. And even within our world, that's one thing like the natural hair movement. You got to learn it. You got to know it. And it's just something that has to be taught and it can be taught. And it's not that hard. It's something that it's learned. And, you know, you just you just have to learn it and practice. Get your mannequins out. Practice it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, hair is hair. It's just different textures. Exactly. And it just requires a different tool. Yeah. No, don't be scared, people. <laughs> and you know what? This is, you know what the interesting thing about natural hair, and I say this, is that actually once you understand the texture, necessarily with with natural black hair, the tools that we use, it's not necessarily hard tools because you're really it's you're using your hands. Versus if you're doing a braid, mm -hmm. if you're doing a flat twist, if you're doing a two-strand twist, if you're doing a singular twist. You know, or if you're doing a Bantu knot, all of these things really don't require a tool. Yeah. They only require your hands with product. It's more of a skill building than anything. Yeah, I mean, your hands are the best two tools you've got. Right. You don't have to go out and buy a curling iron or a blow dry. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is invest in your skills, in your hand, in your brain, and connect those together. That's all it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get those techniques. That's very cool. Hey, so while you've been coming up in this amazing industry that we work in, um, what do you feel has changed? <laughs> I remember, I remember like we used to have like lunches for like two hours in the sense of you had like an hour lunch. What? And then, okay, <laughs> then you had more time. Because they would come in and did, then they would go in and light. You have to remember, DPs used to light for an hour after lunch. They used to rehearse mm. and then they would be like, lighting has the set for an hour. They used to light for an hour where you don't have that kind of time anymore. Yeah. Lighting is very, very quickly. They don't take the time to light and do that thing like that anymore because they fix it all in post. We'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. And that's something for me sometimes that's challenging because I don't want you to do it in post. I want to do it right now. So if you give me the time and sometimes mm. it might take more time, but if I am smart with my time and I'm being honest about how long it takes to do things, a lot of times filmmakers will give you the time, but I just think, you know, I don't want to do it in post. I want to do it right now. If I have to put on a wig or do a little alteration, let me do it right now. I don't need you to fix it in post. I want to do it right now. Do it right the first time. Yeah, let's just do it right the first time. And, th and that's how I feel about all hairdressing, all makeup. Let's do it right right now. Let's do it right the first time. I don't want to go back and fix it. Let's just do it right mm -hmm. right now. We have an opportunity. Let's do it. We have the technology. Yeah. Let's do it. And that's why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you like to see change in the future? I would 
just like for us to be as hair and makeup people, again, I just like for us to be more global. I like for whoever sits in your chair, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter what their hair texture, that they can feel comfortable and you know how to do it and you know how to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't want to have any more conversations. I wish we got to the point where we didn't have to have a conversation about, you know, race and hair texture. If everybody came to the table, mm-hmm. you know, and they were willing to, to do what it took, we wouldn't have to have these conversations. And just having the equality. I don't want to be like, you know, people are like, you're the only department head, black department head that does big movies. I don't want to be the only one. I want there to be, I want there to be people all colors. Yeah. I want there to be black, white, red, purple, Mexican, Asian, like whoever you are, somebody from Australia, New Zealand, everybody should have the opportunity. So I just want everybody to have like the opportunity to have some of the experiences and more experiences than I even had and just be able to have the skills to be a great department head. And that's, you know, and that's what I do with hair scholars. That's one of my main missions is just to be able to open up this world to everybody and know that you can have the right opportunities. And part of it is, is having the education to go forth and do that. And I think that's one thing I was really blessed with the yeah. department heads that I did work with. I learned a lot. So that's what I think. I like what you think. It's very good. Hey, now you've worked on a few locations around the world. Let's just say. Y'all. What's been your favorite so far? By far, Italy. Italy, 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 Italy. Oh, yes. I love all parts of Italy. Venice, Rome, the summer, last summer we were on the Mafi Coast. Yeah, just drop me off in Italy and say goodbye. <laughs> That's brilliant. And the food, oh, so good. Oh, yeah. All, it's just all so good, everything. I love it. I just yeah. love like you can walk to the market and just the people. I, I love it. I love all of it. Oh, that's very cool. And um, what were you working on there? I was working on Tenet. I was working on Tenet oh. on my seven, you know, country journey. That's incredible. Yes. So that was just yes, one location that. after another, huh? It was one location after the other. Jamie, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to tell you. I did that movie with, I think it was like, got it down to like five trunks. That's all I took. Well done. <laughs> I'll tell you why, because when you're moving that fast and that crazy, mm-hmm. you scale down. It's like, oh, shit, I don't need all of this because every time you got to move it. And, you know, it was one of those movies. It was gorilla. Like you didn't have people like always helping you do this and helping you do that. Like we were working. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, you were moving your own stuff. So do you want to move five boxes or do you want to move like 25? And you, and you just get down. No, you get down to like, okay, this is what I'm going to take. And that's it. That's a good lesson to learn. No, it was. And, and just keeping it like really like basic. And the, the good part yeah. about that movie, just honestly, though, we didn't have a big cast. So you mm-hmm. kind of like you, you knew what you, what you had and you know, what you, what you were going to do. And then even like in ordering, like if you knew that you needed something, I was like, okay, we're going to be in London in 10 days. Let me get my order in now. So when I land in London for whatever I need in London, it will be there. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I did it. Mm-hmm. Thinking ahead. So how was Christopher Nolan to work with? You know what, Christopher, he's a beast, but in the best way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a tough, he's a tough filmmaker, but I'm going to tell you this. One thing I love about him, 
He knows his game. He knows mm-hmm. film. He knows where that camera needs to be. He knows where everybody on that set should be. So yeah. he's very old school because he controls all of it. But he knows the end game. He knows that script. Like if you asked him, you know, well, he'll say, no, that's not right. Continuity. You're like, why? And he goes, because this happened and this happened. And we, they went back and forth in time. Like he knows it inside and out and stuff. Some stuff like even the script supervisor wouldn't know it. I'm being serious. It was all in his yeah. head. Mm-hmm. I think you can really see that when you watch his films, like, you know, oh, yeah. that he's the real deal, you know? That he's oh no. He, no, him. Like I have to give it like him, Quentin, you know, Bill Condon, I just, I'm working right now with Rob Marshall. They are the real deal. And I love working with directors like that, who are passionate, who really are, I call them, they're true leaders, they're true generals. And you know what, listen, mm-hmm. I, I, I love working for those guys because they really know what it is to make a movie and to make a great movie. They they know what it is. So it's nice. It was It was good. That's awesome. So when you come on to a film and there's a lot of character design to do and working out everybody's looks, what's your approach to that just with everybody involved? Because, I mean, it's not just a party of one, is it? I mean, it's you, it's the cast member, it's the director, it's costume, makeup. So what what normally is your approach to that situation? I always like to always, you know, start just having conversations, like, you know, have a conversation with the actor, have a conversation with the director, you know, see, see what people's ideas are. Look at, look at what the costumes are, you know, all of those things all are going to help you. You know, what's the production design? All of those things are going to help you, you know, decide on what the look might be. So I think it's a lot of conversations and I think it's just being, open to what the possibility could be of what this person can look like or how you can alter them. Absolutely. And I mean, it, sometimes it's a bit of trial and error, isn't it? I mean, you got to try oh, yeah. things. To... You have to, you have to, but that's like when people say they don't want to try things, I'm like, are you kidding me? People don't realize. And I think this is one thing people don't realize, especially about film. And when you're doing big movies, you, you're not going to just have one camera test. One camera test, that's not enough. You need about five or six of those camera tests. Like, you know, and sometimes, like, when you're doing, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, like, there's, we have tests for different groups of people because you can't test the whole cast and everybody's look in one day. It's too many people. Mm-hmm. So you have different yeah. sections of people that you're testing and you're trying things. And so that's how it works, you know, to see what works or what doesn't work. And the only way you're going to see it again is get it on screen. That's how you're going to know yeah. if it looks great or if it doesn't. Because to your yeah. eye, it could look one way, but on the screen, it's a whole different thing. Absolutely. And then everyone can kind of <laughs> look at it as well and have their say. Oh, yes. Everybody have their opinion. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you walk away and they're like, yep, that's great. And other times you walk away and it's just like, I got to go back to the drawing board. We got to. But that's the good part about camera tests, because in fear situations where you don't have a camera test, you could go to that first day of dailies. Well, people don't really go to dailies anymore. Camille, I'm sounding like a dinosaur. But if you're you know, at home watching your dailies on your computer, you're looking at things and you're like, oh, that doesn't look so good. But if you have a mm. camera test and you get to work these things out, there's really a place for a camera test. 
And like, I can sometimes tell movies that had camera tests or who didn't, and they didn't get a chance to work out the book. I can kind of tell sometimes. Yeah. I think that yeah. prep is so important. And I, I do feel crucial. like it's kind of disappearing a little bit. I know that's not good, but it's, it's crucial. I mean, not for, not for the big, big giants. I think they're still doing it, but just, you right. know the lower you go right. down it's just like no work it out on the day it's like um okay <laughs> and and it doesn't and it doesn't work like that it just doesn't mm. it just doesn't no. it doesn't Mm-mm. and so uh, jumping back to locations that you've worked yes did you find the most challenging location actually on our whole journey like i think especially on tenant we went to like seven countries so mm. some of them I had known about, some of them I didn't. And the one that I was th- I thought was going to be really daunting was India. Mm-hmm. And I was I was nervous, I was scared. You know, people get you all pumped up about India. You know, you're going to get sick, yeah. you're going to You know what? India was one of the most beautiful experiences to me. The people, the culture, I was absolutely enthralled in it and like really loved it. So, you know, that was something that was, but always, I think location a lot of times is challenging because for me, it's more about sometimes about weather, the hot, yeah. the cold, that makes, that makes our job tricky. That's, that's what makes our job tricky. Yeah. Humidity. Yeah. All of those things like that, that makes it hard, but and it's just more of that usually, you know, more, more of that. And like, even last summer when we were working out in the desert, like that was challenging. You know, it's hot, it's sweaty. I mean, you're in, you know, you're in mask all day because you're in, you know, dust storms, sand storms. It's a whole different mindset. You just have to, you know, you have to get your mind ready for that sort of thing. Yeah, prepare. Yes, mentally prepare. And that for me is, that is for me, honestly, it's the prayer and meditation every day. Like I have to do it. Cause that gets my mind ready for working and keeps me going all day. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned, so we've got tenant to look forward to. I've seen a couple of trailers. I'm very excited. We have tenant. Yeah. What else have you worked on lately? So you mentioned that you were over in London starting on the little mermaid. So the that's pretty mermaid. exciting. Working with one of your friends. I'm working with, Peter Sword King on Little Mermaid, which is exciting. Oh. I'm doing Little Mermaid. Her name is Hallie Bailey, and she is lovely. She is a songstress and a singer. I mean, she has a voice. I mean, Jamie, her voice is like an angel. Like, oh. woo! I mean, just a beautiful voice that you don't hear very much anymore. Like a beautiful, beautiful voice. She sings like an angel. Oh. That's so cool. Yeah. I know there's um, a lot of excited uh, Disney fans out there. I'm going to be terrible and say that I've actually never seen The Little Mermaid and maybe I should Of course it. you have. I know. <laughs> what does that mean? No, I'm not a Disney president. Prison- You're not a Disney but- person. <laughs> Jane's not so, a warm and fuzzy but- person, so that's not her deal. <laughs> but I think, I think I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you we'll can, just watch you the movie. Can. Maybe I'll just skip yeah. that and watch the, the film that you're working on. We'll just go well, to live you can, action. You could, you could do that. You could totally do that. Like, actually, I watched, I watched, of course, I watched the original again. I had seen it. And it's so funny, though, because, like, I'm like you. I watched it, but, you know, I was, I was older. And so one of my goddaughters, I was telling her, she was like, oh, my God, you're going to do Little Mermaid. She goes, you know, on Little Mermaid 2, you know, Ariel had a baby. I said, What? Like she gave me the whole rundown because, you know, when you're a kid of that generation, 
she watched all the inceptions of Little Mermaid. So, you know, I was like, Ariel had a baby. What? (laughs) So, you know, but I think I think what's great about this movie, again, it's going to be a global movie. And, you know, it's beautiful that Disney decided to, you know, have have Ariel like she's a black girl. And that love conquers all and love is not a skin tone. And I hope people really love the movie. And we're sticking very close. It's going to be very close to, you know, the original, but it's going to be live action. And, and you know, Haley, oh, my God, I'm serious. Which, I mean, she sings like a mermaid. It's like an angel. Like, it's incredible. I was oh, with so her. Awesome. I was with her at Abbey Road, which is, you know, the famous Oh, the yeah. famous, the famous music studio, which I was like, mm-hmm. when I walked in there, I just got chills. Like I was frozen. And like to hear her sing with the full orchestra, I'm serious. I started crying. Like it was, mm. it was moving. It was just an experience. I'm just so glad I, I got to have. Definitely. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, one, going to Abbey Road and then two, being witness to that. That's amazing. See yeah. the amazing things you get to do in this line of work. We do. Like, oh, we get, to, we get to do some amazing stuff. We really do. We really do. That is very cool. I'm excited yeah. about that. Yes. No, it, it's going to be cool. You um, worked on The Last Charlie's Angels that came out. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. And again, another like fun field went to Germany and went to Istanbul and everybody was so nervous about going to Istanbul. I fell in love with Istanbul. What a beautiful place. What beautiful people. And I remember like the first morning, like we got there in the evening and the next morning we had gotten up and gone to the trailer and just like hearing that call to prayer and hearing people Mm -hmm. praying like that just awoken my soul just so beautiful so much culture and going through the markets it's just again it's just like such a great experience that we get to have the traveling and seeing and doing and again going to berlin and seeing all my friends in berlin i love berlin i love all my friends in berlin so you know it's a you know it's a great town too so a great town to make a movie and then you're working with an amazing director who you've worked with as, a, yes. as an actress yes. to her hair, which is very cool. And a bunch of kick-ass females that are just doing it. Like that no. must have been pretty cool to be working on that. You know what? It was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And, you know, Elizabeth Banks is not only a client, but she's also, I c- consider her a friend. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just great to be able to support her, you know, and her uh, directing, you know, her directing now. And like, it's funny, we were talking, actually, I talked to her the other day and we were talking and she was like, Camille, you were there for my first short. And I was like, was I? She's like, oh my God. I was like, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, you know, just to see her, you know, grow as a person and grow in her career and grow as a director, like, you know, it's it's been fun to be with her and, and see all of that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, yeah. now I'd like to know what is one tool or product that you would not want to work without? I understand there's many, but I just want you to choose one. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Your true love. What's your true love? (laughs) You know what? I don't know. That's a hard one. You know what I'm going to say? I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm going to say I can't be without my dimming brush. (laughs) That's not crazy. You're not the first to say it either. My dimming brush, my Mason Pearson brush. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And I have to say, my Kerastat Ola Relax Oil. It's the one in the orange. That's one of my favorites. Beautiful. I I thought I I have to kind of come up with this answer myself, seeing as I'm asking the question. What what is your answer? Yeah, well, mine's a tail comb. I just never want to be without my tail comb. And um, I'm a hairspray lover, lady. I don't use it all the time, but I wouldn't want to be caught in a situation where I didn't have my small can of hairspray. I think, yeah, I I agree. A small (laughs) can of hairspray. And also, I'd say a tail comb with a metal tip for me. Yeah, I think you're either a metal tip tail comb user or not. Yeah, I'm a metal tip. I'm a metal tip girl. So that, that, I would say that's, I, I agree with that. The metal comb, yeah. Yeah. And like a working hairspray, not a hard hairspray, like a working Mm -hmm. hairspray for me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your favorite? Okay. What's your, see, now I'm asking you questions. What's your favorite working spray? (laughs) Everyone judges me so harshly on this, but I really love Tresemme hairspray. No. And I know that that is really naughty, but it, the, the fragrance is not offensive. It is not sticky. It is not hard. The sprayer always works every time it, you can, it, yeah. Sorry. Just love it. Love no, it. I know it's no, cheap I and totally nasty, but. No, no, no. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you something. If you know something, there's a lot of hairsprays by major companies that are built around that Tresemme hairspray. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Okay. <laughs> It's my fave. And you know what? They just brought out a um, one that has no fragrance. Oh, see, I'm going to tell you something. I really, and this is something, this is kind of new for me. Mm. I kind of like, fragrance never, it never bothered me or I never really cared. But now when I open a product and it's so much fragrance, I'm like, ugh, like I have a new response to that. And I never had that before. But now the fragrance is such the penetration of fragrance. I'm really not into it. Yeah. It's interesting. That's something kind of new for me. Yeah. But I I don't, I don't love all the fragrance. So I get it. Well, I'll be getting some Tresemme, honey. I'm going to try me some Tresemme (laughs) with no fragrance. Yeah, exactly. There you go. All around. (laughs) And who is the one person that you'd like to hear on the podcast? You know who a hairstylist I've always loved from afar. I'm going to give you two and they're old school. One of them, I worked for her in the beginning. Her name is Josie Norman. Josie Norman Mm -hmm. is retired now. She's French. I'm going to tell you, hands down, one of the best hairdressers I've ever worked with. And what I love about Josie, she's talented. She's a good leader. And she's kind. She's a great hairstylist and all those things. And also the one who I love, he cracks me up, is Martin Samuels. I'm going to give you two old school people. Okay. He's another one. Martin's very talented. He did Pirates. He did Avita. And he has like little hands. And I love watching his little hands move everything around. I mean, only thing I just want to say is, and I talked a little bit about hair scholars, it's, um, it's my educational company. And I think one thing that's going to take us in, you know, into the next you know, 10, 20 years is as a whole is Mm. us getting educated and us opening our minds to all different hair textures, all different management and, you know, and really mentoring some of the younger people who want to be in this business. I think it's really, really important. And I really found my calling with all of it. And I really love mentoring people. I love teaching people and educating people. And it takes nothing away from what you do. It's not taking your job. It's not any of that. And it makes me a better person. And I just love the interaction with people. And it's a real exchange 
of love. And Mm -hmm. it's something I really, I really found I really love to do. So that's that's awesome. I think too, as a head of department, like putting that time and effort into training and helping your crew, I mean, you're going to have the the best team out there, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you not pass that knowledge on to your team members to have an amazing team of people to work with? It's awesome. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, and sometime in the trailer, if when I get a chance to do it, like, like, if somebody's doing something cool, it's like, hey, come look at what this person is doing. This is Mm -hmm. really cool. Like, you know, having those, like, there's always teachable moments. There's always something that you haven't seen before, how somebody does. It's like, wait a minute, let's see how you do. Let me, let's see that. Let's like, you know, let's watch it. So, you know, there's always teachable moments and I'm always still like, I'm always learning about things. So, you know, I like to keep my interest going. I'm, you know, but I'm a curious person. I'm one of those people. I'm nosy. I'll get yeah. all in your business. You know how I am. I'm nosy. <laughs> but but part of my curiousness is is good. It, that's what, you know, keeps keeps my hunger too. Yeah. And I think for a for a lot of artists, that's it. Like everybody they love to keep learning. Like and when that yeah. if it stops, if that hunger kind of dies down, then they're a bit lost or they you know what I mean? So it's right. I think it's that's what keeps you awesome. going. Yeah. I like that. I love it. Hey, thank you for joining me, Camille. It's been so awesome. Well, thank you, Mama. Thank you. And how can I find this? Where? I mean, where am I going to be able to find this podcast? <laughs> Maybe anywhere where podcasts are streaming. Apple Podcasts, oh. all over the place. Spotify. <laughs> okay. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.